How many people know that God is a good God? If He has been good to you, say God is a good God. Yes, He is a merciful God. Amen. I was telling someone out there that uh, when I come here, it's like coming to a second home. Because uh, you guys are really family to us. And today I brought my wife. I think this is the second time that she's come out here with me. And she says, please, she said to me when we're coming in, please don't make me stand up. (laughs) But she knows me better than that. (laughs) So I just asked my my wife to stand up. (laughs) If there's anything that's good in me, there are two people who are responsible, God and my wife and with my children helping a little bit but it's wonderful to be here I also know that uh, I think I'm going to be back here in June again for our leadership conference and I'm, I'm hoping to see you then So I'm going to be getting ready between now and then and I suspect that the Lord will have something for you. This is not for leaders. This is for people who want to allow the Lord to use them. And if you're in here and it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you look like, what size you are, what age you are, what color you are, what uh, color of hair you have on your head, uh, it's for you. I think it's the last weekend of uh, the last Saturday of June so we'll be here practically the whole day I hope to see you there Amen Alright let's talk about what we came to talk about today Um, actually last night I was just seeking God about uh, you know when you when you when you are asked to speak you can do all the preparation and the, the difficult thing is always, well, okay, I know that, Lord, you have given me this, okay, but how do I begin? Where do I start with this, you know? So I was just sitting there and I went online and I typed River Life Fellowship. And uh, I pulled up an article that appeared in the Charlotte Observer on the 28th of March. Uh, This lady, I I don't know if it's a lady or a a man who interviewed Pastor Byron about the name change. And it was a wonderful article about River Life. Some of you don't know that you were in the Charlotte Observer. eh? You know, it's a tough thing to appear in the Charlotte Observer if you are a church which loves the truth. But River Life made it. That's powerful. And there was no compromise there. You know, Pastor Byron came out and said exactly what was going on. And the, I think the headline on the, on the, on the article was uh, Church Changes Name and Direction or something like that. So I, I read that article 
and uh, it really ministered to me. There's one thing that Pastor Byron said. He said, he said, we really want to know the heart of God. We really want to do what God wants us to do. Not, you know, it's not just a question of just doing what you want to do. It's a question of really doing what God wants you to do. And getting away from the way that things have uh, always been done, uh, even though that may be easy to do, but you know, just zeroing in on what, is re- what, what does God really want from us? So I thought that was a really powerful place for me to begin. And it got me thinking about beginning. Because uh, my understanding from that was that this church is beginning. You've been, you've been here for some time, but you are beginning. Amen. If you are beginning, there are some things that you've got to watch. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but the beginning is not the only important thing. The important thing is how you continue the journey. So, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit. So, yeah, if you can have me up. Uh, how do I do this so that you... Okay. I'm, I'm using the laptop. All right. Okay. Beginning. Everyone say beginning. Say beginning. Say beginning. You know, one of the things that is really amazing about Jesus is how he began. Everything that he did, you know, if you look at how he began, he began particularly his earthly ministry, it is incredible. And in fact, we are, we are going to read Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to it, but I'm going to put it up on the screen so that we can all see it. But you can check in your Bible just in case I pull this from some website somewhere. You can also check in your Bible because these days, you know, you can dazzle people with uh, technology. And people think that simply because it's up on a screen, on a PowerPoint, it's true. But I want to encourage you, read your Bible and find out if it is true. The stories that we talk about from the pulpit are only valid in your life if you can prove them in this here book. Amen. So what we want to talk about for a little bit is beginning and then also continuing. Look at this story in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. So it starts off, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And it goes on, But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me, And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And some of the words that are used in the King James, which is what I'm using, can be a little confusing to us modern people. Because suffering in the Old English is not the same word as suffering in the New English. Suffering in the New English means going through trouble. Suffering in the Queen's English of old means allowing. So it says here, And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. In other words, 
allow it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness. Then he allowed him. Amen. All right. Before we go on, let us pray. Can we all stand? Father God, we thank you this morning and we ask that you speak to us and that you deposit something in our spirits. We ask that you transform our lives, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you address your word to those critical areas in, your life, in our lives which need to be touched. There are things, O oh God, that we need to put in place in our lives. And some of those things, Lord, may be painful to do, but Lord, as long as you are speaking to us to do it, Lord, we will go through it in Jesus' name. We make that commitment this morning, Lord. Speak to us even through your word this morning. And Lord, transform us, O oh God. Turn us inside out, O oh God. Cause us to be a different people. Thank you, Father, for this church. Thank you for River Life. Thank you for this new beginning, Lord. And thank you for the journey upon which they are embarked. Lord, you are such a good God. Today, Lord, open our ears, Lord. Lord, not just these physical ears, O oh God, but the ears of our spirit soul, so that we might indeed hear. So that when the word of God says, let those that have ears hear, we might hear. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. We glorify your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here is this incredible story. Here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And you know, there were a lot of things that were said concerning Jesus Christ before this point. All of which were a sure word concerning him and concerning his ministry. So now he's grown. He's getting ready to do the things that the Father sent him to do here on earth. And he's in Galilee. He knows, he knows this is the beginning of my ministry. And look at what he does. Do you know, before, I, before we even talk about what he does, let me just say this concerning me. I wouldn't have done what Jesus did. I really wouldn't. The pride that is in us human beings would really not allow us to do the thing that Jesus did when he was about to begin his ministry. He's the son of God. And here is this guy called John who doesn't look very good. I mean, there is no way that I would have submitted to John's ministry. He didn't look good. The guy lived out there in the bush and, and, and he was dressed in, in, uh, in, in, in is it camel skin? And, and, you know, he, he really looked like a recluse. He had, I, I, I'm sure he had this long beard, long hair, and, uh, you know, he, all he ate was honey. And uh, nobody really knows much about his marital situation. This was a weird guy. And he came out, and, and he was preaching a very radical gospel. Man, I mean, a, a, a gospel that would make all of us uncomfortable. Uh, all he's saying to these people who believe they know God is, Repent! Do you know that these days, that's not something that people like. When you start telling people, repent, and I'm telling you, there are people who need to repent, even in the church. But when you start talking about repentance, people don't like it. And let me tell you something. This man doesn't like it when people tell him, repent. You know, it's, it's not something, you know, we all want to believe that we are fine as far as God is concerned. So here is Jesus 
and, and you know who Jesus was. He was the Son of God. He was perfect. He was without sin. Why would Jesus go and be baptized by John? As if he had sinned. I mean, you know, he, if it was me, I wouldn't have wanted to do that just in case people misunderstood. So there must, there must be something that Jesus did in private. That is the reason why he was going to John. I wouldn't have gone there. I'm the son of God. Amen. But Jesus is getting ready to begin his earthly ministry. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and to John to be baptized of him. Watch how you begin. Watch it. Amen. Watch how you begin. There are a lot of people who are in trouble today because they started in a the way that they wanted to begin. Watch how you start. Because how you start will determine what happens during the journey. So there are people right now, and I know God has been telling you to do some things and, and stuff like that. Watch, since you haven't started yet, watch how you begin. Amen. So Jesus started in a very, very different way from a lot of people. The first thing that you find is Jesus went to a place. And like I said, it's a place that I wouldn't have chosen to go. Most probably, I would have chosen to go to the temple. But he went to this river where there were all these people who were being baptized and there was this crazy preacher. So he went to a place. I really believe that when God is getting ready to use you, he will send you somewhere. And he will usually send you to a church. Amen. I believe in churches. I really do. All the people that tell me that they don't believe in churches. Now, you know, when I come here, I'm free. I can say what I want, right? Okay. All right. So I'll be very frank. Everyone that I have met who says they don't believe in churches has one problem or the other in their lives. So my, my question is, if, 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 they, if, if, if the answer is outside of this thing called the bride of Christ, why do they have these problems? The Bible says in the book of Psalms, God sets the solitary in families. But the rebellious dwell in a dry place. If that is the word of God, then God himself instituted this family called the church for a reason. So God will usually start off by sending you to a place. Amen. And you have to allow God to send you to a place. 
And when you get to that place, it doesn't necessarily look good. Look at the Bible from the beginning of it to the end. You will find that God has a habit of calling people and sending them somewhere. So you start somewhere. Now you see, this is the biggest problem that is there in Christianity. Is that usually in these places, there are those creatures called people. Amen. Do you know, never kid yourself, you are a creature to somebody. It's somebody who doesn't like you. And it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how well intentioned you are. There is just somebody who doesn't like you. Doesn't matter what you do. You do everything right by them. They will still not like you. You know, one of the things that I have realized is that I should quit trying to make everybody like me. Because that will not happen until Jesus comes. There are people who don't like the way you look. There are people who don't like your hair. There are people who don't like the way you talk. There are people who don't like the way you minister. There are people who don't like the way you dress. Hey, that's life. So God sends you to a place, and what you are going to encounter in this place are those creatures called people. But, but, but you see, that's where God wants you to begin. Where there are these creatures called people. And the important thing, I've been telling people in Charlotte, the requirement for successful Christian living is developing inner strength. If you are an emotional crisis, I didn't say you are in. I said if you are a, an emotional crisis, there are people who are emotional crises inside of them. The only way you can define them is that this person is an emotional crisis. You will be in so much trouble because the word of God is full of truths. And truth, truth will always challenge your emotional strength. In order for you to live by the truth of God's word, you have to be strong inside. Because the Lord will look at you and say, Get thee behind me, Satan! Amen. And you will have to take it like Peter and rise up and continue serving the Lord. So God will send you to a place and God will send you to those creatures called people and expect you to begin in that place which is full of creatures and to submit to the God process. Amen. If you don't do that, you are in trouble. Pastor Byron said some things earlier on. You know, we, we all, one of the reasons why we may seem sometimes like, you know, taking the high road, because sometimes God really whips you so much that you realize, I don't have a choice but to take this high road. 
It's not because I'm a good, obedient person. No, 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 no. I am hard of hearing, hard of learning. And it takes a lot of, and he's still doing it. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Like, no, 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 no. God, I love you is like this. He said, no, I love you. I chastise those that I love. He forces you sometimes to, you want to, if there is anything that the flesh rebels against is submission to the God process. Everything that is flesh rebels against it. But watch how you begin. Watch how you begin. You better begin the way God wants you to begin. Individually, as a church, I'm getting ready to do some things that the Lord put on my heart. I better watch how I begin. I am walking right now on eggshells about some things. Because I'm so, I'm like, because I, I know what has happened before when I have begun without submitting to the God process. And what happens when you don't submit to a place sometimes, to a person, and to the God process, is you get into all kinds of trouble. So here is the Son of God. He's in Galilee. He's getting ready to start his ministry. And he knows, I need to go to this place, to this person, who is a cousin actually. John was his cousin. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Do you know how difficult it is to submit to a strange cousin? <laughs> you know how difficult that is? Actually go and submit your ministry to a strange cousin. You think they didn't talk about this guy? They talked about it. There were a lot of things. Listen. Do you realize that even after Jesus himself, Jesus' family knew who he was. Mary knew who Jesus was. But when Jesus started his ministry and was going out, there is a time when they, the friends came to Jesus and, and, and were talking to him and, and they thought he had gone insane. And, and the family too came and confronted Jesus, the Son of God. Do you think that they didn't talk about John? Of course they did. And now here is Jesus to begin submit himself to the God process. But in order for him to submit himself to the God process, he has to submit to the ministry of this crazy cousin. There are people who God brings into your life who on the face of it appear crazy. But you've got to find out by the Spirit of God who they are. Amen. I like Pastor Byron because Pastor Byron is crazy. He sure is. Couldn't hear from God like that if he wasn't crazy. He's, he's, he's crazy. I, I mean it. You are crazy, aren't you? A good crazy. 
But there are people that God brings into your life. They really seem crazy. When you look at them with the eyes of the flesh. But God doesn't want you to look at things through the eyes of the flesh. He wants you to find out from God, who is this person that he has brought into your life? But Jesus was willing. I am willing to... It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what has been going on with this guy's ministry. I'm submitting there because that's my way of submitting to the God process. Amen. What was John's response? Jesus comes and John says, No way! John forbade him. He says, I, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. How can you come to me? The truth of the matter is that John's heart was right. His heart was right. Because what John was thinking, well, you see, this is Jesus. And I've been telling people that there is one who is coming after me who is greater than I am. And I am not even worthy to touch the laces of his shoes. And now this man comes so that I might dump in the water. No way. This is not going to happen. Something wrong here. So John's heart was right. Everyone say John's heart was right. Amen. John's heart was right. Just like my uncle's heart was right. When he was, uh, his mother-in-law was living with him. One day, I don't know if I've told this story before, but my uncle, my father's oldest brother, you know, he was living with his, his mother-in-law was, his, his mother-in-law was uh, living with him. And one day, she ran the bath water so she could have, you know, she could take a bath. She was in her 90s. She opened the hot water. It was scalding hot, hot. And she went in there and got in the water. There were only, it was only her in the house and my uncle. Now we have a very, very, very strict tradition. There are certain lines that are not easily crossed in our culture. And if you go back, some of those things are actually biblical. You don't see the nakedness of your mother-in-law. I don't know here. But back home, you don't do that. Under any circumstances. And a person who does that, their heart is right. So my, you know, this lady gets in there. When she gets in there, she can't get out. She's so old. And when she gets in there, and the water, you know, the, the automatic response, if it was you and I, jump out. Her response was to scream. My word. My word. And my uncle who is himself in his 80s, he hears this lady screaming. And what do you think my uncle did? He kicked the door in. Went in there. Picked his mother-in-law up. Took her out of the water. We'll deal with all those other things about tradition later. Save the, 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 the woman. So there are things that God requires of us to do. To obey him. Amen. So John's heart was right. But there was something that he needed to do. And Jesus was insistent. 
his heart needed to line up with what God's purpose for that time was. And the purpose of God for that time was that Jesus needed to submit to John. Amen. Sometimes you, God will bring you to people who don't know what to do with you. Pastor, have you ever had people who you don't know what to do with? Bunch of... And you're like, why didn't you send them, Lord, to the church down the road? Why to me? And a lot of people get injured by this. You know, they, they come and, and, and they think the pastor is going to use them in some way, but the pastor doesn't know what to do because God hasn't talked to him about what he needs to do with this person. But God has sent you to that person. Look, stop bothering the person. Bother God. Find out from God, why is it that you have sent me here? And when God tells you, go with that. Amen? That's a better plan. Because if I tell you what to do, you might not like it either. So you go to people sometimes and you know that it is God who sent me here. They don't know what to do. But you see, Jesus was different. He knew why he had come. The Bible tells us, you know, you remember the first part of this scripture says, he went to the river Jordan so that he would be baptized by John. He knew that. This is why I am here. Amen. And I am not going to let, let this person steal what I need to get from here. So Jesus' response to John was, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Your responsibility and mine is never to allow people, those people that God sends us to, to rob us of what God wants us to get. Amen. Doesn't matter who that person is. If you have come into this house and there's something that God wants you to get, don't let anyone rob you of what God wants you to get. Operate on the sure word that God has given you. And stop being insecure. It's not anyone's fault that they don't know what to do with you necessarily. If God hasn't told them, listen, you rise up and say, and say God has told me to do this. Amen. And the people who the Lord sends you to and say, oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Not, you want to be told what to do. You want to be cuddled and everything. No, no, listen. If you are an emotional crisis, you will never make it in Christianity. Never. You've got to develop inner strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there was something very important about this whole thing. And this is really what I'm driving to this morning. River Life Fellowship needs to continue its journey under an open heaven. Amen. River Life Fellowship needs to continue its journey under an open heaven. Individuals in this church needs to proceed on their journey under an open heaven. 
and there is a way to get an open heaven. This is what Jesus was modeling for all of us. If you want to function under an open heaven, you must submit to the God process. If you don't submit to the God process, it will seem as if heaven is shut to you. And everything that you try to do, you try to do it without the grace of God. Meaning you sweat more and might not never even really accomplish what you are trying to do. You've got to submit yourself to the place, to the people, to the God process in order for you to operate under an open heaven. Got to. If you don't, you will be sweating and toiling and getting frustrated. And those people who were creatures when you came, they become even bigger beasts. <laughs> and, you, and you yourself become more and more of an emotional crisis. Why? Because things are not working. But the question that I have for you is, did you submit to the God process? Now, listen. Some people say, I did. Because to them, submitting to the God process is jumping in and jumping up. <laughs> okay? I did. What did I do? I joined the church and then I left. <laughs> then I went and then I joined another one and then I left. Joined another one. Joined another one. Then I went here, then I went there, then I went there, then I went there. All that is... No, 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 no. Sometimes God will have you wait 25 years like Abraham. Uh-huh. God has not changed, brethren. Time has changed. God hasn't. God will have you wait until there are certain things that are really done and finished inside of you. We always want to think we are ready, even when we are not. God operates on a totally different timetable from your emotional need and from my needs too, my financial ones. Different timetable. Because as far as God is concerned, there is a serious foundation of faithfulness and obedience that I need to establish in this person before I bless them with these mighty things that they will have. It's more important to God. I'm telling you, it's more important to God. My son right now, who is five years old, thinks he can play in the NBA. I was telling people at our retreat, he does, you know, it's, it's so interesting watching my son. I, I can't believe that I perhaps used to do that when I was five years old, but I doubt very much. I'll have to find out from my dad if I used to do that. Perhaps this comes from my wife's side of the family. I don't know. <laughs> comes back from school and says, Daddy, I want to play basketball. I take him outside to the basketball court. He gets the ball. And this is Kennedy. So half the time I'm asking, what are you doing? He's doing this little dance 
and stuff like that, you know. And he gets so excited, and then when, when he tries to shoot, he misses. And I'm telling him, son, wait, stop, 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 okay? That's the goal, okay? Now, now shoot. I say, just to get him to do that is very difficult. Because in his mind, he's playing against Shaquille O'Neal and so on. And, 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 you know, already he's, you know, and then I, you know, I got him a set of drums and I'm, and I'm teaching him and he's very good. He's, he, he, the, the boy's got rhythm. But he can't play yet in church. But the moment that he was able to kind of get something going, he says, can I play in church next Sunday? So we, we want to think we are ready. In our mind, we are ready. Even when we are not ready. But God knows when you are not ready. He knows it. You can't fool God. And you can't blackmail God. You can't, well, you know, you can't sulk about these things. You can't go through your Christian life sulking at God. You've got to let God finish the process that he started in your life. What does the Bible tell us about Jesus? He is the author and finisher of our faith. That pr- statement is really profound. He's involved at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. He knows where you are. He knows, no, 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 no. This person is not ready. He knows the challenges that you're... See, sometimes God does us a favor, and we don't even realize that God is doing us a favor. He knows the challenges the enemy is going to throw against you. So what he does is, no, let him spend more time. Let him spend more time in preparation. Not out there in the battle. Not yet. Because the devil is going to try and do something. But at that point, this person is really going to be ready. Let's talk about an open heaven. And Jesus, when he was baptized went up straight away out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened. They were opened unto him. The heavens were not opened to all the people around. No, no. The heavens were opened unto who? Unto Jesus. A personal opening of heaven for you. Because you have submitted yourself to the God process. You have done the things that God wanted you to do. You have stayed there until God has finished. When he came out of the water, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. This is the one who causes my heart to leap because he's willing to submit to the God process. We underestimate the power of the words that heaven speaks concerning us when we do the right thing. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Because he didn't take off from Galilee and go to all, all those other places and just start doing things. No, he did what I wanted him to do. He submitted to the God process. Amen. What did Jesus know? Jesus knew that this man called John, as crazy as he is, 
he holds the key to an open heaven for me. I am the son of God. Yes. But this man called John holds the key to an open heaven for me. Before we came to the United States, we went to a conference. And at this conference, it was organized by a church called the Zimbabwe Assemblies of God. There were thousands of pastors. And, <clears throat> and we knew what God had, you know, was, uh, was telling us to do. And there's a man called Bishop Guti. I think some of you know about him. Some of you met him when we went to Zimbabwe. Incredible ministry. Old man. That man is, is, is really the apostolic father of, for the nation of Zimbabwe. Everyone who has started a ministry out of rebellion to that man has not succeeded. Everyone who recognized who he is succeeded. And I remember my brother saying to me, my brother who is my spiritual father, saying to me, when we go, before you leave to go to the United States, go to Bishop Guti's office and kneel and let him pray for you. Could never find him in his office. So we were at this big conference. There were like 12, uh, yeah, no, no, this place sits about what? 8,000 or so people. And we saw Bishop Guti during one of the sessions because you, you couldn't get to the man. We saw Bishop Guti walking, I think, I don't know where he was going. I think he was going to the bathroom. So you know what my wife and I did? My wife said, come, 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 in front of all these people. And he was walking between two aisles, right? Guess what we did? We blocked the aisle and nailed down. There was a reason why we did it. See, you must understand that there are some people and, and, and you know, this is not a very nice gospel to preach at a time when we overemphasize our liberties. It's not a very nice gospel to be told that there are some people that you need to submit to and that there are some people who hold a key. Look here, they didn't put the key in their own hands. It was God. John didn't want to baptize Jesus. It wasn't, they, they didn't look for it and grab it. No, no. It was God who put this key in their hand. In his hand. So he baptizes Jesus because Jesus knows this is, this is the key to an open heaven for my ministry. He's baptized the dove comes down and God speaks concerning him. But the same thing with Elisha in the Old Testament. He knew this man called Elijah holds the key to an open heaven for my ministry. So Elijah comes after being told by God, go and, bapt and, 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 and anoint Elisha to be your successor in the prophetic office. So Elijah who is overwhelmed by what's been going on and really can't wait to move on to be with God. Overwhelmed prophet comes, throws his mantle at Elisha, and Elisha immediately runs after this guy. 
And what is Elijah's response? Elijah's response is, Hey, what did I do to you? Go back. And Elisha says, no way. And you can see when you follow the life of Elisha, as he was ministering to, ministering to Elijah, that he knew that this man has something, including, you remember the time when, just before Elisha, Elijah was taken up, Elijah says to Elisha, okay, wait here, I need to go somewhere. And Elisha says, I will not stay here. You are not going to leave me here. And he follows the man. They get to the river Jordan. See, the water is struck. They cross over. And he follows the man. Until the prophet turns and says, What shall I do for you? He says, Please give me a double portion of your anointing. He says, If you see me going up, you'll have it. And the guy is determined, I am going to see this. Why? Because this is the key to my open heaven. So Elisha knew that. Is there in the Old Testament? Is there in the New? Do you know that? And before Jesus went to be at the right hand of the Father, he showed his disciples the way to life and ministry under an open heaven. He says, don't go anywhere. Go and wait in Jerusalem. Go and wait in the upper room. Wait there. Don't do anything. And they go there. They wait. They pray. Until something happens. And you can see from that day that they operated in a ministry under an open heaven. That's the challenge for us as believers. To do the things to begin in a way that ensures that heaven will be open for us. I'll tell you this. An open heaven sometimes to the flesh does not seem like it's open, but to the spirit it can be open. Telling people at at our church, and this is something that has happened over and over again. See, you may not have money in your bank account, but how many people know that the voice of God is worth more and money in the bank. So one of the things that has, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you this, this is true. My wife is my witness. There is no one who has ever left our church in Charlotte without God telling me beforehand. It has never happened. Never. If not asked for it, I would be sleeping and the Lord would give me a dream. And it would happen exactly the way the Lord showed me. Exactly, exactly. No one has ever... You know, it's, do you know it's so funny because my flesh, when it happens, I get shocked. I get angry sometimes when people do things that I don't understand. But there is no one who has ever left our ministry in Charlotte without the Lord giving me a dream. And what the Lord is trying to accomplish in me is for me to line up the way my flesh feels with his word and and I have a difficult time with that but it's not true that God does not warn us about things before they happen he does he always does and if you submit yourself to an open 
heaven kind of walk. Sometimes there are certain things which won't be happening and you'll be thinking, well, I'm not blessed. Listen, <laughs> there is nothing as powerful as the blessing of God's voice. Amen. Knowing what is going to happen, uh, you know, it, there is nothing as powerful as that. The biggest problem, the challenge for us is to line up what our flesh causes, wants us to do with what God is saying. That's the challenge. So your open heaven may take the form of God just speaking. But you see, if you don't value God speaking, you will think that your heaven is shut. If you value manna falling from heaven instead of his word, you know, manna in the form of food, provision, and stuff like that, you will not recognize that your heaven is open. Amen. So for some people, they have a sh- they're operating under a shut heaven. Some people, heaven is open, they don't know it. Because they don't place value to the things that they need to place value in. That's dangerous. Amen. Are you operating under an open heaven? Are you submitting yourself? We're coming to the end. We're going to pray in a little bit. Read a couple more scriptures. And then we'll pray. I want you to open your Bibles this time. It's not up there. Second Samuel 1. I'm going to read this real fast. Go to Second Samuel 1. And I am praying for this church that you would operate under an open heaven in everything that you do particularly at this time of beginning that the beginning be right and because the beginning is right the rest of the journey be right amen so second samuel chapter 1 verse 1 What God wants is for us to really examine the state of our hearts. That's what God wants. Examine the state of your heart. But it's not just, you know, sometimes there is that kind of uh, goodness in our hearts which really has nothing to do with God's will. It's a false kind of goodness. It's a godless goodness. It's a humanistic kind of goodness. The one that wants all people to dwell in peace even in the absence of truth. That kind of, that that goodness that says no one should be offended or provoked by the truth of God's word. People need to be, that is always wanting to be sensitive to the way people feel. What God wants is for your heart to be a good heart. But your goodness had better be God kind of goodness. It had better line up with God's will. So, there are some people who may even be disappointed about the direction in which you are going as a church. And not everyone is going to be happy. Because there are some people who like the way things are. But who don't necessarily like the way things can become. And it's so difficult sometimes to move people from the comfort zone into the faith zone. 
very difficult. And people have very different expectations when they come into a place. Very different. Amen? So here you are. What do you do? What do you settle for? Do you settle for the kind of heart that just says, well, you know, let me make sure that everybody is happy. Or you say, let me make sure that there is an open heaven above river life or my life, my life as an individual. And that God is actually saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Which shall it be? And I am telling you, I am so excited because I really believe that God is getting ready to do something in this area which will cause people to know that he is truly God. That there are people who are getting ready to rise up and say, I want to be right there in the middle of the battle, pushing the envelope and just going forward in spite of the way things are. I really believe that. When I was in Durham in 1994, the Lord showed me a flood coming from that side sweeping across and coming through Charlotte and it was just an incredible flood and I've been waiting for it and it's coming in the name of Jesus it is coming but what is necessary is for us to get ready particularly emotionally get ready because listen your faith is going to come under attack it shall not just in your home, at your workplace, in your church. The fact that you do things that other people don't do will make others uncomfortable and they won't like you for it. But what are you going to settle for is the question that I have for you today. What is it that you will settle for? And it says in this scripture, where are we? 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 1 Now it came to pass after the death of Saul when David was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites and David had abode two days in Ziklag it came to pass on the third day that behold a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head and so it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance and David said verse 3 unto him from whence comest thou and he said unto him out of the camp of Israel am I escaped? And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, That the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind me, him, he saw me and called unto me and I answered, Here I am. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me and slay me for anguish is come upon me because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him because I was sure 
that he would not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them hither unto my Lord. Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they were fallen by the sword. And David said unto the young men that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger in Amalekite. And David said unto him, How was thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head. For thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. He came to a different kind of guy to tell his story. He came to a guy who he thought would be pleased by this news. I have brought to you the crown, all these things that pertain to the kingdom. I have done a good thing for you. David tears his clothes, cries for Saul. And there's something bothering him. Something is not right. Something is not right. But as far as this young man is concerned, I have done a good thing. But as far as David is concerned, something is not quite right. There are people who approach these things, the life of faith, mathematically. You have to be careful about that. I've done the right thing, QED. I've done it. You have to be careful about that. Because the right thing according to God is very different from what you yourself think is right. There are truths in God's word. Should I go there, Pastor Byron? I didn't didn't want to end here because I don't want anyone to be confused. Please, if this confuses you, leave it alone. There are truths in God's word that God uses to override others. It is so true. There are some things in God's word that I mean God will use. He will actually use this. He will say, yeah, that is right. I don't want to say, but this is more right. <laughs> because the moment you start saying that, people get confused. But I want you to know that there is an expectation from God that is very different from how far you have gone in understanding God's truth. You need to dig deeper than where you are right now. So that you can know. The reason why we are failing in our lives is because we just dig a little bit. And we become satisfied with what we find out when we dig a little bit. There is something that makes God angry. And this stranger withdrawing his sword and killing Saul was more uh, to God. It was unacceptable. And God, to this young man here, heaven would have opened if he had run there and gotten to David and said, what I saw in the battle, I saw Saul lying there hurt. And he turned to me and he says, please come and finish me because I am finished. 
But I couldn't. I couldn't. I just ran to come to tell you. I don't know what happened behind me. But I have come to tell you that King Saul is in trouble. Heaven would have opened for this. But you see, see how difficult it is. The only way you can know what God wants you to do is to dig deeper. Say, I'm going to dig deeper. Say, I'm going to go deep. Yeah, I'm going to pray more than I have been praying. Mm-hmm. Sign of good living. When I was in Africa, I didn't have this. It's kind of difficult to fast and stuff like that with all those McDonald's around the corner. But this has got to go. If God is going to tell you exactly what he wants you to do, not a generic truth, but something that is so specific to you, that is branded with your name, this is what I want you to do. You have got to dig deeper in order for heaven to be open to you and a specific way to come to you. You've got to dig deeper. You can't be satisfied with how God is dealing with other people. You can't. You must be satisfied with how God is dealing with you. And God's instruction to you is get rid of the heart and the nature of an Amalekite in you. Amen. Okay, last scripture and then we'll be done. Just three verses. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy 11. Can I still come? All right. I'll come anyway. Force myself here. Amen. Deuteronomy 11. Says in Deuteronomy 11, verse 13. And it shall come to pass if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Consider that. Consider what it says there. It says, serve him with all, not with part of your heart, with all your heart and with all your soul. With everything that you have. That I will give you the rain of your land. I'll give you the rain of your land. I'll give you the rain of where I have put you. The rain of your land. The rain of your assignment. I will give it to you on time. The Bible is clear. It's not, it cannot be a partial commitment. It can't. It cannot. If you want to trigger the opening of heaven, it's got to be complete. Everything, you've got to jump in, all of you. Understand that there's a family that is getting ready, that is selling all its stuff and getting ready to go to Argentina. Good for you. Sometimes, you, you know, it can even be at a late stage in your life. And others around you may not understand. But if that's what God has said, you should do. If that's what God has said, you should do. You should do it. A house can always be replaced. 
an opportunity to serve the Lord might never present itself again. A car can always be replaced. But an opportunity for you to serve the Lord, I am telling you, it will not present itself again necessarily. So you do what God has said you should do. Not have a commitment. And says, I will give you the rain of your land in his due season. The first rain and the latter rain. There have been a lot of things that have been said. A lot of revelation about the first rain, latter rain, and so on. In an agricultural economy, you know, people know the very straightforward meaning of that. That, you know, before you break ground for, you know, to, to put in a new crop, you need something that will actually make the, the ground plowable. The first rain will come. The latter rain will also come that will make sure that your, your, your fields ripen. You will get the rain that you need for every part of the process of your journey. But it will only come from a total commitment. It says that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that, verse 16, your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And God helps us in the time in which we are living because we sure have turned to other gods. Some of those gods are me. Other gods are our jobs. Shall I say more? No. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to this crazy man. And may God grant you what you are looking for. Thank you, Pastor Byron, for having me. We will see you next time. God bless you.